Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri. And I'm John. So, John, we're looking at happiness today, the happiness of people, psychology, and its examination of happiness. And it's through an article titled, Yale's Happiness Professor Says Anxiety is Destroying Students. And it's by David Merchez in the New York Times. It's an interview with Lori Santos, who is this famous happiness professor. She teaches a class called Psychology and the Good Life at Yale. She has a podcast that has 64 million downloads. So whatever she's saying, yeah, it's crazy. Whatever she's saying, it's working and people like it. But what I like about our podcast is that we have looked at her perspective in a critical way, not just criticizing, but we have some things that we like and some things that we don't like about her perspective. I think for me, John, I don't like the formulaic stuff. Don't tell me, meditate, do yoga, keep a gratitude journal. I have no interest in that. I mean, I'll do those things every once in a while, but the whole idea that I have to follow this formula, it just sort of turns me off. It makes me feel like I'm doing something that's very static, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For me, besides getting defensive about my cell phone use, um, I also have a kind of an issue with the, uh, the stuff around money. Um, and we'll talk about it in the podcast where, um, she kind of like makes comments about money that like, if you are very well off, you know, if you're pretty affluent, then yeah, maybe like her, what she's saying, you know, like fits, but if, you know, if money is an issue and it's something that you think about a lot and something that can be tight at times, I think that it just like her perspective kind of comes off as just feeling out of touch. Yeah, that, that, and that's a criticism. We read a lot of comments in, in the article because this is one of the great ones for comments. And people brought that up a lot. John's point about money and her detachment from the reality of the average person, the average American. So thanks for listening to the Class X Podcast. We hope you subscribe and or share it with a friend. Um, we appreciate you listening every week. And we hope you enjoy this episode focused on the psychology of happiness. Thanks for listening. We'll see you after the music. Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri. And I'm John. So, John, today we're going to look at an article uh, related to psychology. So, it's called Yale's Happiness Professor Says Anxiety is Destroying Students. This doesn't really have a lot to do with the students. It's more about happiness. So, we're going to be talking about happiness today. Uh, The author is, or I guess you could say the interviewer is David Merchez, and it's from the New York Times. So, John, the, the person who's being interviewed is Lori Santos. And she started teaching her course in 2018, and the course is called Psychology and the Good Life. So the course is for young people, but I think it could apply to anybody if you're interested in the topics. And if you want to learn psychology and what's, I guess, what people think is uh, the modern research on happiness. She's also a podcaster, and she has 64 million downloads for her podcast. So I thought that was kind of amazing. People must really connect with this stuff. We don't agree with all of it. I think we're going to talk about that, but uh, people are interested. So this is a subject. Of, is this happiness, John? What, what, where are you on this subject? Does it interest you? Have you ever really delved into it? 
Yeah, I think at an early age, I remember reading a, an article in Sports Illustrated, and it was about um, David Duvall, who I think was like the last number one golfer before Tiger Woods, like in the late 90s or whatever. And I remember the article being about him and um, how like when he was in college, he was just kind of like very singularly focused on golf and didn't really connect with a lot of people and was just kind of like a loner and stuff. And that he like found happiness, you know, once he started kind of like focusing more on relationships and connections with other people. And I feel like I've always kind of heard that advice, you know, that that's kind of like the key to key to happiness or whatever. And so, yeah, it's something that not that I'm like super interested. I, I feel like the only time I really notice it or think about it is when I see people who are obnoxious about like, I think now there's like the term for it, like toxic uh, positivity. Um, people who are just like way over the top with like kind of like a fake it till you make it kind of thing. And so even though I'm critical of what um, what this professor says a little bit, I still think at least it's better than the people who are just like put on a happy face, you know, or, or choose to be happy. Like, I think that's 100 percent bogus. I agree. I think that's bogus, too. There's an author, Barbara Ehrenreich, and she wrote that famous book, Nickel and Dimed. I don't know if you remember that book. But she also wrote a she ended up getting cancer and she wrote a book on the toxic positivity that is just kind of impacts the, that community of people with cancer. Like they're forced to be happy and positive. And she just thought it was not cool because they're struggling. And so I, I hear what you're saying about toxic positivity. I, I completely agree. And I'm not a big fan of it either, which is one of the reasons why I picked this article, because I do think there are some positives to it. But I also think that there is a cult, like some people call it the cult of positivity. And I think that's definitely true. For me, I've always been interested in the topic as a subject. But I don't like when people make things formulaic. So it doesn't really matter. I, I just don't believe in formulaic happiness. And I, yeah, I just don't buy it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that makes sense. Especially because once you like really get into or think about yourself and like what makes you happy or if you're not like in a super good spot, a lot of times it's not just like, oh, I'm not hitting the formula. A lot of times there are things like, no, these are like problems that I need to solve or, or come up with like, you know, a resolution to before I can even worry, it's kind of like the the hierarchy of needs, you know, it's like, Hey, I have some more pressing stuff and it's not like, it's not that I'm failing the formula or that I'm not, you know, being, you know, showing gratitude. It's that, you know, literally like I'm having trouble putting food on the table. So I hear you. Yeah. And, and to me, you go through the formula, let's say a gratitude journal and the gratitude journal, it can get you so far, but if you do it every day, it gets boring and it loses its meaning. So for me, the formula becomes, it loses anything that's meaningful from it. So I feel like gratitude journals are great. But again, if you're doing it every day, if you're meditating all the time, you might be disappointed. It kind of reminds me, and one of the examples I wrote about when I was writing some notes on this is when I went into teaching and people would try to add a lot of meaning to the, the job. And so it'd be like, oh, teaching is a calling for me. And I just wanted to get better. I always avoided that idea of teaching as a calling because I felt felt like if you put too much into something, it's it just becomes disappointing. And I think that the same is true for happiness. If you're just really pushing the happiness button and, and you're just thinking, I need to be happy, you're just going to end up unhappy. <laughs> like it's too much. Yeah. And it's a recipe for it just feeling for like life feeling pointless kind of 
like if you think about if you really think about like okay so i need to make connections with people i need to you know be grateful and stuff and then you think like well what does that matter in the grand scheme of things it just feels like it's really easy for me to just feel like wow that just kind of feels in a sense like empty when if i didn't think about it as much and just kind of did it you know like then it would be more helpful doing it kind of doing it spontaneously naturally in a sense yeah or when you're feeling down maybe like hey you know things aren't that bad you know and then thinking about gratitude and stuff but yeah if you're if you're just uh making it a big part of your daily life i don't know how you can't like overthink it and have it feel empty or or meaningless totally and so this the, speaking of a tough time the, the conversation does start with burnout which i'm actually fascinated by so she mentions characteristics of burnout and so john here's a couple of them emotional exhaustion and i should say that they talk about burnout at the beginning because it sounds like this professor had burnout um so it's it's an interesting topic because it is related to happiness does the burnout lead to unhappiness if you're happy are you less likely to get burned out i'm not sure but here's a list of of the examples or characteristics of burnout emotional exhaustion depersonalization which is like you're detached from your reality, getting annoyed easily, feeling ineffective at your job. So with burnout, you know, have you had it? Do you do you connect it with happiness if if you've had it, or do you connect it with something else? Um, so this is just like in the context of work. Yeah, I, I think, guess right? I think with work, or if you're burned out. Yeah, that's the only time I ever think about it is just through work. And I had a colleague who recently told me that you know he was burned out because he's been teaching. He's been teaching us for like decades and he said that like you know the content like isn't you know there's nothing challenging about you know a lot of like the stuff that he's doing and he just kind of feels like i think he does feel the ineffectiveness thing a little bit not that he's not good but just that like there's kind of like a cap or like a ceiling you know like the kids have for being interested in some of the stuff and so i kind of like identify i could see i could picture being at that spot but i think for me personally because i haven't taught really taught the same thing very many times that like that's always kind of been fresh there have been times where i felt like burnt out with um at my at my old school with like behavior stuff because it was like really really bad and i just kind of was like and it was just totally like excused kind of and just kind of like it was just like oh well this is what we're doing now and i i did get kind of like to the point where i was like oh i'm kind of like really sick of this but yeah so i guess like in general never had like a total burnout where you know not really, I guess. I don't know. What about you? For me, I've I th I think I get I have moments of it every year, you know, where I'll be tired for a week or two, and then I'll get back to my normal sort of self. So I think I think that's normal though. I think everyone goes through those those things. I haven't had yeah. the the burnout that I see with 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 some people. Uh, my biggest challenge is actually this is maybe kind of funny, but my biggest challenge is dealing with people who have burnout. So dealing with those people are kind of a challenge. Sometimes with seniors in high school, they'll have senioritis and most don't, oh, yeah. most don't, but I associate that with burnout and um, it could be challenging for teachers and, and for the student themselves too, because you can see that they're ready to move on to the next step and you're just trying to engage them. So that could be um, challenging. I, and then sometimes with colleagues, I think in all my jobs that I've had from retail to food to, to teaching, I think. The colleagues, when, when your colleague is burned out, that's that's what's challenging for me at this stage of my career. But I understand what you're saying about your colleague because 
if you're teaching the same subject every single year, it could it could lead to boredom. You know, maybe if he changed yeah. his subject, it, it would be different. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. It is <laughs> right. it is hard because I think I think burnout is uh, it's it's something that I definitely don't want to be that person. You know, who has it and who who makes who brings other people down with it. And I do think it is related to happiness because you're just in an unhappy state. So let's let's actually take a break. And when we come back, we'll look at this uh, this idea from the article where they're talking about intuitions and how intuitions can lead us astray. So we'll come back after the music and talk about intuitions. Welcome back to the Class X podcast. So John, another part in this article is a big point that's made is that the that our intuitions lead us astray. So for example, you go to work, you come home, and you want to binge watch television show. According to Santos, that's not what we should do. That that's our intuition telling us we should do that. But we should be exercising. We should try to connect with others, maybe friends. What do you think? Do you think our is that a is that does that example ring true to you? Do you think that's do you think it's true? Yeah, I think that kind of happens like with a lot of stuff. Even like down to uh kind of like basic things where you know, like you have like an instinct to like eat like a bunch of fatty foods, you know, that goes back to the caveman days. But like, in, you know, that's not going to be what's best for you or what's going to, you know, either lead to a healthier life or being happier. So I do think like in general, that is that kind of thing. But then sometimes it's kind of like, OK, well, you could always be making a better choice. Like right now we're sitting here talking to each other on a podcast. We could be learning how to play the piano or learning, you know, another language or like how to read, you know, Homer and Greek or something. Like we could be doing something that would be like more actualized than, you know, talking about, you know, Santos, <laughs> but it's like, you know, sometimes you don't like, sometimes you just like, Hey, this is what I want to do. And, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I get, all right. What do you think? I, I, I totally, I agree with what, with what you're saying. I think you could always find something healthier to do. That's like, that's actually a good point. I didn't, I didn't think about that as I was reading it for me, the way I was processing it is that it goes back to this formulaic critique that I have. If, if I read Santos, I think that I need to always socialize, kind of like you were saying. I need to follow the latest research. But I think TV is nice after a long day. I think sometimes I need television. Yep. It really helps me relax. It, it I wind down. It makes me it makes me happier. Sports, shows, whatever. But at the same time, should I exercise? Yeah, I do exercise. But I don't discount my intuitions. I, I don't know. I feel like my intuitions are fine. I'm not really, I don't, I don't agree with that part of psychology. That's really anti-intuition. You know, you see that a lot. And I, I think that mm. I get what they're saying. The example you gave junk food, totally. But at the same time, I feel like, you know what? TV's cool. You know, talking to my friend on yeah. a podcast is cool and watching sports and is nice. It's relaxing. So I'm, I'm sort of, I'm a little bit more critical and I think I could sense that with what you were saying too. Yeah. yeah. Same page. Same page. Exactly. So an interesting part of the interview, which we could jump into now is Santos's perspective on money. Now, if there's a capitalist in the, in the room right now, it's Santos. <laughs> She's making tons of money <laughs> off of this topic. Privilege. And podcasts, books, 
but she's focusing she focuses on materialism as and capitalism as being the problem. So this is what I find interesting. You know Dale Carnegie, right? Dale Carnegie, the famous American well, salesman. First of all, I didn't even I didn't even pick up on the hypocrisy. It's like, yeah, hey, why don't you make another podcast, Santos? If uh if capitalism's so bad. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, she's probably making a lot of money off the podcast, but she just reminds me of a modern day Dale Carnegie, right? I mean, Dale Carnegie was just selling a gimmick. I'm not saying there wasn't truth to some of the things he was saying. The same thing with Santos, but are they overhyping it? I mean, any thoughts on that? I mean, we'll go into the money thing a little bit later, but just this idea of capitalism and materialism ruining our happiness. Yeah, I think that, so I think she makes good points as far as like, and I've heard this before, this idea that just chasing a goal that's materialistic or even like career wise, you know, like, hey, I, this is like really what I want to get to. I want to get to this level at my job or, or in my career. I can understand that like, yeah, once you achieve it, like there's probably going to be either an empty feeling or maybe it's like it's an exciting thing, but then it's going to be, hey, what's next? Uh, or you might feel like, man, I should have just like shot for, you know, principal instead of VP or whatever. You know, like there, there's always going to be something that maybe like it leaves some stuff on the table. So I understand that. But um, but yeah, at the same time, like it does kind of feel like, you know, people don't always have like the luxury of not worrying about money or that, you know, because like the example she uses in the article is if you go from 100,000 to 600,000, you're not going to be that much happier. Hey, I'll take 100,000. You know, I, I take 100,000 right now. And I think I'd be a heck of a lot happier than I am, you know, making my teacher salary, you know, in the Midwest. So, yeah, what do you think? Oh, yeah. And just the idea of going from 100,000 to 600,000. No one does that. It's just it's just a, so, right. so diluted. Yeah, teach harder, Shukri. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I I agree. I think I think um, I have some notes on it later, but I think that she's really off on this. And there is a problem that I noticed. A lot of the people who commented on the article, the comments are great. By the way, this is one of my favorite articles for comments. People really harped on this idea that the New York Times spends too much time on the elite institutions and what these elites are going through, and they're really disconnected from the reality of most people. And I don't think a lot of, maybe a lot of the readers of the New York Times realize it, but the people who are putting it together, they're not realizing it because they're continuously doing it. It kind of reminds me of the Michael Sandel podcast we did. Similar ideas, you know? If you're going to focus on what yeah. students at Harvard or Yale are doing, you're really detached from reality. And I think that's part of this because she's she's dealing with elites often at Yale and then she's saying, "Well, you don't need to make a hundred hundred fifty thousand. You need to make a hundred thousand or eighty thousand. But the reality is, most of those students probably doesn't matter because of their family income. Exactly. So, yeah. what's the big deal? I was you say, know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like kind of like the whole premise of what she's talking about. It's almost like it's not like happiness for all people or something. It's almost like happiness if you're financially secure. You." Um, you know, you make enough money that you don't have to sweat it too much. Then how do you achieve happiness? You know, like that seems like the whole premise of the article. Cause if you have like basic needs that you have to meet, you know, like you don't really necessarily have the luxury to worry about like, am I actualized? How's my gratitude journal going? You might not have that, might not have that luxury. Exactly. To totally true. So Santos also focuses, and I have a little rant on this one on the effects of groups. 
it might be because I'm pretty introverted. I'm not sure, but I didn't like her focus on groups. She even mentions this idea that if you're part of any organization from a good group that's doing good charitable work to even a bad group, like an ultra-nationalistic group, she emphasizes that being in that organization and being around people will lead to more happiness. I think that part of her philosophy is a little out of whack. It's out of touch. I'm also just not into joining groups. So to me, I just I just disagree with this part. Groups always seem to, in my opinion, lead to lack of autonomy, independence, critical thinking, open-mindedness. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of groups. So when these happiness subjects, these happiness philosophers talk about groups, I always just hesitate because I just don't want to be part of a lot of groups. I, I don't mind being friendly with people. I like harmony, but people who always need to be around people to be happy to me, they don't always, they don't necessarily know themselves very well because they're just connected to yeah. groups all the time. You know? Yeah. I remember in high school, like after or after high school, I remember I had a friend who wasn't like a close friend, but um, her big thing was like going to the lake, going to the lake all the time. She didn't go to school. They, nothing was really going on. Like, you know, setting up a career or going to college or anything like that. Not that you have to go to college or whatever, but it just seemed like the focus was like always on like going to the lake. And I remember like talking to my mom about it and, and then like we started referring to like people like that as like lake people um, just because it was like, you're so focused on just like the weekend, you know, yeah. like just getting to the weekend. Now here's the thing by the formula, she's probably winning the lake person because, Hey, I'm, I'm with the people I'm out here on my sea do, you know, like this, this is, the, this is, this is the best. But at the same time, like there are other things you have to have. And I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of like no. going off too much on a tangent, but, but that seems to be the formula. It's just as if you're hanging out with people. For me, I've always felt like I want to enjoy my daily life personally. Yeah. I want to enjoy my job. I want to enjoy my family. I want to enjoy my daily interactions. And separate from all the mindfulness that you hear today, which could also be formulaic, I think that if you're just living for the weekend, that just makes me unhappy. Just that idea. Yeah. It's a bummer because even if you're connecting to people that that pointlessness, you know, that feeling of like, why am I even doing this? You know, like I remember feeling that way, like I said, like when I was like 19. Mm -hmm. No, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So you're, you're probably with me on, on that idea. I also just the idea that if someone's in in some sort of ultra nationalistic group where they're preaching some negative, hateful things, I don't see that as happy, even if they're connected to people, you know, because they're they're just in a toxic, poison, negative, hateful environment. There's no way that that's going to make people happy. So, yeah, I, no, I think we're like guys on 4chan or something. Yeah, like crazy. Toxic, like internet groups. Like, yeah, you're around a bunch of dudes and you're, you know, you're like with like-minded people or whatever. But like the whole point is like you're stewing up, you know, hatred and, and things like you're saying. Totally. Let's take uh, one more break and come back and talk about phones and what santos thinks about that and also go into the money thing the money idea a little bit more because there are some points i think we could still make on that so we'll come back after the music
Welcome back to the Class X podcast. So let's talk about the phone. So Santos takes a pretty extreme stance, which I agree with, actually. She says that you should put away your phone and delete the apps that you have on your phone. She actually has this idea of WWW. Now, I don't agree with deleting the apps, but I do put away my phone often over the last few months, and I do feel like it's made me happier. But here's her WWW idea. She says, before you pick up your phone, you should ask yourself, what for? So what's the purpose of you picking up the phone? Why now? For example, are you bored? Are you fighting a craving? And what else? What else could I be doing? So I agree with this part, but I see you shaking your head, John. Do you disagree with this? Yeah, I think we're polar opposites on this. Because to me, I always see it as like, the, the reason why I pick up my phone is just because I want to know what's going on. Like whether it's um, at the micro level, just like on like a social media app between like people like that I know, or if it's like something from the news, I feel like it's the same reason why if this was 40 years ago, I would turn on the news or if it was like, you know, I don't know, longer than that ago, I'd pick up the newspaper. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, it's just a way to get like information And I do think like, you know, you can be obviously addicted to it and have too much of it and it can make you unhappy and stuff. But the idea of like, just like sticking your head in the sand on society and just like, I'm not going to read anything. I think it could be a recipe for happiness, but I want to know what's going on. I don't know. What do you think? I think it makes me happy when I'm focused on what I'm going to do. Like if I tell myself, I'm going to text John right now, or I'm going to read the news, or I'm going to listen to this podcast. But if I'm constantly checking it, that makes me anxious. So that's mm. that's my relationship with phones. If I have a, an, a plan of action, I'm good. But when I'm just sort of yeah, like cool. wandering around and just surfing, is it doesn't make me happy. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, I don't think it makes me happy either. I think it's just kind of like it's the equivalent of when you tap your pen on the desk or something or like, it's like a placeholder, you know, like there's nothing else going on. So, um, this is like my default, what I'm going to do while I'm just sitting here. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I've tried to use Kindle more on my phone when I, when, as, as a placeholder. So Mm. I'm focused on a task that I'm going to be present with for a longer period. So that, that helps sometimes, but you've got to find the right book, but I I hear you. I'm not anti-phone. I use my phone all the time. It's just, I found that I'm not happy when I'm just constantly checking it, you know? Yeah. So the last point about money, does it buy happiness? Santos takes an interesting stance, which I totally agree with, disagree with. I disagree with it. She says, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is what she says. If it's not getting you out of poverty, it's not helping much. (laughs) I don't know if you remember this part, but she's basically saying if it's not, which I think is totally ridiculous i I think it's funny too because she mentions that her students fight her on this issue and she her quote is that they're just resistant because of their worldview but what about the other way around maybe she's resistant because of her worldview you know whatever that worldview is i guess it would be that money doesn't buy happiness but i just i just think it's crazy to say that i think i agree to a point so if you are making 80,000 versus 90,000 or 90 versus 105. I could see how that 10 to 15,000, though it does help a lot of families. So it's hard for me to say that it doesn't, but I can understand why you would 
maybe choose a job that pays slightly less because it's a better job in terms of your daily happiness. But at the same, because yeah. I've, I've made that decision before. And so I, I get that. And I, I agree with that. And I think that's a wise move to make. But at the same time, I don't think she's right when it comes to it's only an issue of are you starving or not? I think that's crazy. Yeah. Well, the I think the worst example in that in that article is when I think I can't remember the now the numbers do matter. So I, I shouldn't I don't know. I wish I knew off the top of my head or if I had it handy the amount that she gives like for the example, but she says, if it, the difference is between making a hundred thousand and 150,000, then you're better off just reading a book or, or something like that, because that's going to give you your one percentage point, you know, happiness that you would have got from the extra money. And I'm just thinking that like, does make sense. I don't know what that, that does not make sense as, as an, example. yeah, no. And it's like, you know what? Like I think happiness is important, but maybe sometimes, especially like when you're a father, you know, or you're a parent, like maybe kind of get over yourself and it's like maybe that extra money could go towards a college fund or it could go towards, you know, stashing it away for when they turn 16, you know, like to get a car or something or, you know what I mean? Like there are some times where, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're just looking through the scope of like your happiness, like how it would be measured on your self-reported happiness, maybe, but sometimes there's like, you know, bigger things in life that that too, maybe down the road, you know, maybe you will be happier if you stash some stuff away if you, you know, made more money and, and maybe in the moment you're not as happy, but maybe down the road, you'd be happier. Well, to play off of what you were saying, some, someone, one of the commenters on the website said, and I'm paraphrasing this, but this is pretty close to the exact quote. They said, Ivy league professor telling me to smell my coffee when most Americans are repair, a car repair, washing machine repair, et cetera, away from debt. And I, I just totally agree because that's true. I, I have a big project in my house right now, my my uh, bathroom. And if I had an extra 50000 I would not be stressed out the way <laughs> yeah. I've been stressed out. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just, I mean, think about when you have to get your tires replaced. I just had to do that a few months ago. It was like 800 to to $1,000. I can't remember just to get four tires replaced because they had to be specific tires for this car because of four-wheel drive and all that stuff. And so... Yeah. An extra 50000 would have been nice. I think she is deluded. And I don't think she realizes how detached she is from reality. That's right. I think so. I, and I wonder, too, I'd be willing to bet, you know, I don't know, not a significant sum of money. But I'd be willing to bet that, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, I shouldn't make assumptions. Not that Santos is listening to the Class X podcast, but does she have kids, number one? And are you a renter or do you own? Because I think like, I don't know, I picture like, I think that like that, this philosophy when I was younger, like when I was in my twenties and when I was single and didn't have a family and like just my regular job, like salary was like, you know, cutting the cheese for anything, for everything. Then I feel like I would be more open to that kind of like mindset, but I think it changes, man. Once you have kids and you have uh, home repairs. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely, I completely agree. I think it, I could see it connecting with students who haven't gone through the responsibilities and obligations of life. That's a, that's a good point. So I wanted to read a few comments, John, before we go to final thoughts. So actually, one of my favorite comments was from a professor who who taught. At least he says he taught. I believe him because I want to. <laughs> he says he. <laughs> why not? You know, he says he taught uh, for 25 years a, a happiness course, and 
he viewed happiness as he, I think he sees Santos as providing one perspective, but acting as if this is the perspective, like this is a scientific perspective. And it was kind of cool because he goes into all these different philosophers, the Stoics focusing on self-control for happiness, Epicureans focusing on pleasure, Plato focusing on the opposite of pleasure, Thomas Jefferson focusing on conversation with friends. And then he, he uh, I thought that was kind of cool. And then my favorite, he says this, this is his quote. He says, we are happy differently at different times in our lives. And the trick is to know how to recognize happiness when we see it. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then there was, there was a uh, psychologist who said, forget happiness, aim for peacefulness and equilibrium. Uh, that was another sort of cool quote. Um, there's a lot of great quotes, a lot of great quotes. A lot of people did not like the issues that she brought up with money. I think that's a, a, a huge critique of hers. Uh, actually, one former student mentioned taking the class. I thought this was interesting. He said that he learned practical things, the importance of sleep, meditation, but he also felt, and this is his quote, maybe happiness just simply isn't as important as we assume it may be. And then that's, a great point. that's what's that? That's a great point. Sometimes like, I think like you were saying, like different seasons of your life or whatever, you know, sometimes responsibility is more important. Sometimes there are, there are things that are more important. Yeah. Different things come up at different times. Exactly. And then a community college teacher mentioned that she's wary of the endless, this is her quote, endless attention to the lucky few who attend an Ivy league institution. The Times focuses too much on the ultra elite. And I, I, I agree with that also. I think that that's part of what Santos is representing. And I think that's a problem. I think it's a huge problem with, with these articles. Like you said, maybe when I was 21 and didn't have responsibilities, this would make sense. But you can't be making comments about $50,000. You're going to, you just lost. You just lost middle America. You lost middle class America. You lost working class. You lost anybody who needs to make money. Um, and that's 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 not good. So any final thoughts, John? Uh, no, not really, uh, which is kind of weak sauce, you know, at the end of the podcast. So not have any final thoughts, but any gratitude journal yeah, ideas. Really. What's that? You're going to go to your gratitude journal after this podcast? No, no, no journals for me. It's just going to be uh, worrying about, uh, you know, basic stuff. So my my final thoughts, maybe you can, if you want to say anything about this, I do agree that students at Ivy League, um, the, the, the professors are given too much attention. And that's a problem with the New York Times. I don't like the I want to uh, uh, restate this. I hate these formulas for happiness. Like anything that says meditate, keep a gratitude journal. Hey, I'm not saying don't do those things. But just realize it's maybe it's not going to move your happiness that much. It's healthy, just like eating healthy is good, but maybe not the biggest deal. We, we just have too much of this right now. Everyone's talking about mindfulness, doing yoga, keeping a gratitude journal. I mean, yeah, I think if you don't have real problems, you're going to come up with problems, you know, yeah. and it's like and then your problem becomes I'm not that happy. Yeah. I wonder too, like what you're pointing out, like the New York Times. I wonder if that's just like that's the readership, you know, and that's like who's you know, who's subscribing and who's, you know, so I wonder if that is just kind of like a, that those are their readers, you know, or at least like to a certain extent. To a certain extent, because a lot of the people were commenting on it, were criticizing it. 
Yeah, but you're right. I'm sure there is a certain percentage that are similar to that, or they want to be connected to the Ivy Leagues in some way. Uh, I think, to me, this is my last point, and this isn't to sound cheesy, but I do agree with that old philosophical idea of knowing yourself. And I think it's reflected in some of the ideas in in the in the comments. I think if you just know yourself, know your interests, know your hobbies, know what makes you happy, I think that's happiness, in my opinion, versus, yeah. you know, oh, let me meditate for 10 minutes a day. Well, maybe meditation is not your thing. Maybe your thing is to read a mystery book or watch the Kings lose tonight. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. It's my thing. Or watching season five of The Last Kingdom on Netflix. Just it just dropped. It's great. It's good stuff. Huh, I got to check out Uthred, that. Uthred, son of Uthred. Yeah. But anyway, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm not going to. Yeah. Anyway. And maybe that's the that's that's your mindfulness. Right. So I think that's kind of my message is ignore these formulas and uh, focus more on what you're interested in, because that that makes more sense. And, you know, like you said, maybe the uh, the advice that you're that you would like when you were 21 isn't going to work when you're 35 or 40. And maybe it doesn't work when you're 21 either. Who knows? I don't know. So, yeah. Well, thanks for listening to the Class X podcast. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Please subscribe if you haven't, and please share it with a friend. We appreciate you listening to our to our episode on happiness. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. See you next week.